0: Hey, guys, it is Abdul for the good folks from Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware downtown Indianapolis. You know, I had a little bit of a health issue lately and I lost a lot of weight, almost like 60 pounds. Now, some of that was on purpose. Some of that was from the hospital stay, uh, but I had to get some new clothes. And so guess where I'm going? That's right. I'm going to Leon Taylor because Larry, Norm, Kim and Judy have taken my measurements for years. And the measurements have dropped a little bit. And so they'll take care of me just like they'll take care of you. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. Don't tell me you lost weight. They'll be able to tell if you have or not. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware downtown Indianapolis. Well, either the quality of mercy is not strained because it drops like the general rain from heaven, or angels and ministers of grace defend us. Hamlet, Act One, Scene Four, or Star Trek Four. Take your take your pick. <laughs> it is that time of year again, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for Indie Bard Fest. It, it is not your grandfather or great 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 grandfathers' uh, Shakespeare. And joining us in studio uh, is Glenn Dobbs, sort of the head of Bard Fest, and Matt McQuarrie, uh, who's the artistic director of Mar- Bard Fest. So, uh, Glenn, Matt, thank you both very much for being with us. Thanks for having us. I always like throwing a good Shakespeare quote just to show that.
1: All my culture comes from like cartoons and science fiction. So well, I'm
2: surprised you didn't do it in the original Klingon.
1: <laughs> I think that's exactly how Shakespeare would have wanted it. Um, and Max, just for the yeah, record, that's right. Thank talk ba, you. talk back. To be or not to be. There
2: you go. There you go.
0: Uh, so Glenn, uh, what is up for Bartfest this year?
2: Oh, we have a, an entire new season. I'll, I'll let. Uh, Uh, Max give you some of the details on it here. Uh, We opened last weekend with two uh, great shows, the uh, uh, very popular comedy As You Like It at Mud Creek Theater. And over at the Cat in the Carmel Arts District, we have uh, kind of a brooding, uh, dark romance, Troilus and Cressida. And both shows have gotten great reviews and good audiences. And we have one more weekend for both of those shows. Uh, Matt, so
1: uh,
0: what's all on deck apart from those two shows this year?
1: Absolutely. So on October 20th, we're opening three new productions. Um, Two of those will be at the Indie Fringe building here downtown. That's a production of Medea by Euripides, but adapted by Ruby Blondell, And that's directed by... natalie fisher
0: and, and let people know we're talking the talking the the greek medea not not the tyler perry medea exactly
1: the <laughs> greek one the, so it will will be a six
0: foot five black woman in drag with glasses with with a with a great attitude
1: i don't believe that those are in the plans but it is uh, a phenomenal group of actors working on on telling that story and then in the same building just across the hall from them uh, Matt Anderson, um, who was our uh, Lewis in Angels in America this past summer, is directing Troilus and, or, sorry, Titus Andronicus. Um, too many Ts. Titus Andronicus, which is Shakespeare's kind of like bloody, gory, grand guignol theater, um, lush, lavish, and uh, with a splash zone. <laughs> uh, and then at that same time, also opening on October 20th over on Butler's campus in the Shelton Auditorium, I'll be directing an uproarious, restoration comedy called um, A Bold Stroke for a Husband by Hannah Cowley, and it's a a like little sexy, steamy disguise comedy. Now, normally, uh, Glenn,
0: when you think Shakespeare, you don't think sexy or bloody per se, or, or dark romantic comedy. Oh, no, <laughs> you, then
2: you don't know Shakespeare. Shakespeare wrote uh, some of the best romances, he wrote some of the funniest shows, and he is about as bloody as you can get. Uh, you Think of great, great like the Scottish play and Julius Caesar, and Titus Andronicus tops them all. It is a bloodbath of a show,
0: and it's perfect for Halloween. So, how did you put together Titus or Andronicus?
1: Yeah, so um, this is a project that Matt has really been looking for um, for a number of years. We'd been in conversations with this director really since 2019 uh, about working towards this particular production. We all know what happened that prevented that from moving forward in 2020 when it was originally planned. Uh, And in this season... And that's COVID for those of you folks who aren't quite sure what we're talking about. Yes, (laughs) precisely that. Um, We've stumbled into this sort of uh, central core theme that is present in, in all of the work between both the comedies and the drama in in this season, which is an exploration of power, of power dynamics, of, of who has it and who doesn't, and of how they're using their power. Um, and Titus Andronicus is uh, sort of... A, a perfect vehicle for us to be telling that particular story. So it felt um, like the timing was was right to include it in this batch of stories. Our guests on the program today are Glenn Dobbs and Max McCreary. Uh, they're both with Indie Bardfest, uh, the
0: Fall Shakespeare Festival. And like I remind people, it is, it is not your great, put like a six in the exponent corner, your great-grandfather's uh, Shakespeare. It's actually, uh, Glenn, let me ask you, how, did, how does Shakespeare, how was it modernized for audiences who may not necessarily understand the the iambic pentameter and all the other, I can't believe I actually remember that from high school. Well done, <laughs> well <laughs> done, well done. We're not holding up cue
2: cards for you at all. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I I don't think it's fair to say that we change the language or modernize it. Uh, the the poetry has stood the test of time for 400 years, and when it's done well, it is very understandable and very easy and, and very good to follow. Uh, it's kind of like um, uh, going to the opera and trying to understand every single note. That's not the point. You, you, you understand the music, the story, the flow, and you get a more sensual experience. What is modernized, if you will, is sometimes we take, uh, Shakespeare productions and we change the classic Renaissance setting for them. So for example, Trotus and Cressida is a very dystopian, uh, look at the, uh, uh, the futility of war and it's done in a very modern context. Uh, as I understand it, I haven't yet seen it, uh, Titus Andronicus is being done with no set contrast of where it is and where where it's going. And when directors do that, and, and Max can speak better about that than I can, uh, when directors do that... Um, what they try to do is take the familiar verse and cause the audience to perk up because now we're looking at that in a different background in a different setting. And what makes Shakespeare so wonderful is it just, it, it stands up to that. It, it, it's, it's able to it, in our view, it's the most entertaining stories you can possibly go to see because there's such a wide spectrum of stuff to see.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that we keep coming back to these stories over and over again. Uh, and we feel the importance of that in a work like Medea. And this is something that Natalie has mm-hmm. really latched on to and, and claimed. Right. This is a story that has been told in every generation since 451 BCE. B.C. B.C., Right. So uh and we have to acknowledge that there's a, a purpose, right? These characters um are still are, are processing ideas that we as a contemporary audience are are going through, and so um, her character of Medea and the the classic Greek chorus that supports her in the show are a group of women from all different periods of their of their lives and from different time periods. So Natalie's Greek chorus, kind of how we think of of like the Greek chorus from Hercules, the, also acting as like the the voice in your head, the angel uh, or devil on your shoulder, encouraging you one way or another. Um, that is a uh, like a cultural touchstone for how we're thinking about her Greek chorus of this group of of women um, from across time, feeding off of that same story and and supporting the same narrative uh, of what does it take to be a woman who who claims power for herself um, that is not given by men.
0: And it's interesting too. Uh, you talk about modernization because I remember oh gosh, it's like oh my, like thirty years ago and change. I remember seeing the production of Hamlet uh, at the IRT, and it was totally modernized. It wasn't you know medieval mm-hmm. you know plumes and gowns. It but was a modern it, setting, but mo- yeah, not the language. Yeah, though. modern setting. And I thought, hey, this is actually pretty, yeah. pretty, interesting. Like, how do you take a you know almost you no know, five six hundred year old play and sort of you know modernize it? And and the, and the themes it stayed the same. Mm-hmm. You know, Hamlet, you know his girlfriend, his father, mm-hmm. Rosencrantz, Gilsner, and dad, Polonius, mm-hmm. you know, looking mm-hmm. side behind the curtain. It's like, wow, this is actually, like Alexei- a great <laughs> story.
2: Yeah, it's a great story. And one of the things that we take a lot of pride at is we, we provide these stories in very intimate settings in small theaters, typically, uh, that give the audience an up-close chance to see the story, to see an actor-driven performance that is very compelling. And we're particularly excited, uh, not only with our... Uh, more traditional choices we have this year, but choices like Medea and choices, particularly a bold stroke for a husband, which is uh, rarely produced and is just an hysterical show. And it's done in the beautiful Shelton Theater over at uh, Butler University. And to get a chance to see something like this today, is just you just don't get a chance to, and that's the beauty of Bard Fest. We provide such a wide spectrum of choices for people to come to see in a concentrated period of time.
0: Our guests on the program today are uh, Max McQuarrie and Glenn Dobbs with Indie Bardfest, the, the one of the premier fall Shakespeare festivals here uh, in Central Indiana. So we're just kind of talking about uh, Bard Fest and how uh, great works like Shakespeare have stood up uh, over time, uh, over the, over several hundred years. Uh, Max, you're about to say.
1: Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, thinking about this idea of uh, why why do we care? Why should we go see a, a classical theater show now, right? And it is that sense that um, we are still no writer's telling strike. stories that we care. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no writer's strike. Um, and uh, unfortunately, no writer's strike anymore, thank goodness. Um, but the... Uh, in a, in the case of a bold stroke for a husband, too, the catalog of classical theater is is so broad. and right? And we are Bardfest. We're a Shakespeare festival. we We love William Shakespeare, great guy, great writer. And there are so many incredible contemporaries who were not Shakespeare, who have equally important stories to tell, like Hannah Cowley, which is why we are so privilege to be able to present a bold stroke for the first time it's ever been done in the state of Indiana and it's likely uh, going to be the first for, for a while. A second is probably not going to come right around the corner, but that doesn't tarnish the value of of the story. What it does do is make it a truly once in a lifetime theatrical experience? Absolutely. Uh, Glenn, uh, we we talked
0: about this the last time you were on a, a couple months ago sort of pre- previewing uh, this year's season Bard Fest. now that it's here. How do you deal with uh, the Shakespearean stories and 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 sort of adjust it for the time context that we're in today? Because obviously certain things you could probably say do back in you know 1492 and eh, maybe not so much in the first part of the 21st century.
2: You know what I'm going to do? Like every good leader of an organization is,
1: I'm going to turf that to max <laughs> <laughs> or punt the ball. <laughs> yeah, um, as theater creators, we have a really adaptive art form, right? We are always in conversation with with one another. We have uh, teams of people who help us identify. Like, where are the problems inside of a play? No play is, is perfect. And I'll use bold stroke as a great example of this, too. So there's um, a, a bit in the show. One of, one of the core conceits, seats are, are a plot, if you will, is about a, a young woman who um, rejects all of her would-be suitors by pretending to have the character traits that those suitors hate the most. One of her suitors is a composer who loves nothing more than classical music. Um, And so in order to to shake him off of her trail, she pretends that she can only listen to music if it's being played on a kazoo. (laughs) A kazoo was not always called a kazoo, although the instrument is the same thing. So what Hannah Cowley literally wrote was that it was a Jew's harp. We don't need to do that. We don't need to add that label. because, And also, our audience wouldn't understand what that instrument is either. They have no context for that. So we say, no, we do actually need to modernize that language and say, one, culturally, it would not be appropriate for us to be flinging that around the theater all the time. And secondly, to give our audience an access point to it, to make them relate to what we're saying, just switch it to a kazoo. That's
2: exactly right. And we and, and there's all kinds of examples of that throughout all of the stories that we ha- a director and their team have to sit there and look at and be careful about. Uh, shows that in the 1950s, like The Taming of the Shrew, which would have been uproariously funny, have some very problematic elements inside it. And so a director has to point the story in a little bit different direction in order to be able to tell the story well without being demeaning to women and demeaning to uh, uh, their struggles as they try to find their own place Mm -hmm. in the world. Um, the, The main thing is, is that these stories is what brings us together as human beings. I mean, right now in the world, all of us know that there's terrible wars happening right now. And uh, the story of Troilus and Cressida is a story about the futility of war and, and how it, nobody wins out of these particular issues and nobody ever prevails. And so that story resonates today as it did back then. And, and there's many examples of this. Uh, Titus Andronicus is all about revenge. Well, the cost of revenge is far greater than most people think it is. And, and the story shows that.
0: Mm-hmm. Our guests on the program today are Glenn Dobbs and Max McCurry, uh, both with Indie Bard Fest, uh, one of the premier uh, Shakespeare festivals here uh, in Central Indiana this fall. So we recommend uh, go to IndieBarfest.com, That's By the correct. way, gotta gotta get the gotta get the website in, so you can uh, go sort of pick and choose uh, what you'd like to see. Uh, are there any types of plays, Glenn, uh, that tend to attract a bigger audience than others? I mean, everyone's heard of Hamlet, you know, Macbeth, blah 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 blah, but something like a Medea that may not they may not necessarily they think Tyler Perry, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: You know, I think um, in in the theater world, there are shows that I'm just going to use the word or more commercial, more of the sound of music type shows. And there are shows that have uh, uh, more of a punch, but uh, uh, don't have as wide of an audience base. And the same thing is true uh, for Shakespeare. People know about Hamlet because they've heard about it in school or Romeo and Juliet, but Two Gentlemen of Verona, Coriolanus, uh, uh, we've done all these shows, and and there's gold to be mined there. You know, things that are amazing to see. You yourself participated in Henry IV, which is not often produced uh, with it. And that story is hilarious and funny and talking about a father-son relationship uh, that resonates for every person in the audience, despite the fact that you're wearing a robe. Uh, with it, so that's that's the beauty of these stories. Our
0: tagline, and I was also African Americans. So we did a little, so, we did a little bit of cultural appropriation. Well, <laughs> well,
2: but but the thing is, the thing is, is is that's the beauty of Shakespeare. Um, the uh, we can do uh, uh, gender blind and racially blind casting uh, in order to make the story more inclusive, make the story more relevant to everybody that's involved.
1: Yeah, um, and I'll jump in on there too, right? So there's this idea of of the the flexibility. Behind classical theater, and that, and that we have the ability to reimagine characters and stories that way. But really, what we're thinking about is not the the gender blindness or the racial blindness of it, but the consciousness of those things yeah. and how those identities. It's a way of it. Yeah, yeah, how those identities relate to the story and impact how our audiences um, are affected by the work, by what they're seeing. We seeing have this somebody. idea that we call um, intrinsic impact in the arts and and one of those is cultural relevance and another one is what is the social bonding experience of being in the theater which is why shows like those commercial shows sometimes just seeing uh, a story in a room full of people who already kind of know what's going to happen is a great social experience and that's just as valuable as the the other punchier storytelling as glenn said it's
0: like didn't playing richard the second i believe I'm sorry. What now? I think it's like Denzel Washington playing uh, King Richard. This either Richard I or Richard II. He played the character. I remember when he first did it. Like, well, can you have a black Richard? Like, it's not. It's not. It's not his race or gender. It's his it's character. The story. It's, it's the, the character. story. You know, and
2: that's that's the thing that uh, uh, I've been thinking and musing on a word lately because I'm having such a positive experience over at the Mud Creek thing and this idea of community theater and people have their own set notions about what that is but the bottom line is very much in line with what Max said this is about community. It's about a, a, a family, a group of people that all come together in order to create art. And, and we want people from every part of the community to be involved in that. And, and that way, when they look on, on the stage, they not only see a great story, but they also see themselves. And, and that fosters a better place to live. And that's kind of our mission focus with Bardfest. And if I can do one of those really ridiculous segues at IndieBardFest.com, you can find out all of these things. <laughs> uh, uh, there's show times, theater locations, uh, ticket ticket links, uh, background um, uh, of, of our mission and our focus, uh, our artistic director's vision statement of what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, we've come a long way in our last 10 years. We've done over 40 shows and productions. And... Uh, and as a result of that, we have just elevated uh, the artistic community here in uh, Indianapolis in, in ways that people don't just simply weren't there 10 years ago. And so we're very proud of that. We think we have a lot to tell and a lot for people
0: to see. All right. Max, I'll give you the last word.
1: Yeah, um, well, with the last word, I would be remiss if if I did not also point out, in line with our incredible partners and, and the community that we have built, um, the final show, our, our coda at the end of Bardfest is uh, Ibsen's Hedda Gabler, um, directed by Chris Saunders, um, and folks that know our theater community know that. That Chris is also the artistic director of American Lives Theater. And while this isn't a co production with them, uh, it's a great opportunity for us to um, blend the communities that make up those arts organizations. So we're doing it internally um, with our work to sort of decenter this idea that there's only one core narrative, one story, one kind of leader um, to take on these artistic projects. Uh, and that hopefully will, as as we start to decenter that and bring in new voices and new groups of people, our audiences will as well. So if you want to see Hedda Gabler, a, a great searing drama, um, that'll be at uh, Arts for Lawrence. Phenomenal cast. Arts for Lawrence from november 3rd through the 12th first two weekends of november and that's our finale all right And
2: then right after that
0: we start working on the next season and i'll be back next season yes you will <laughs> we will save you a place all right <laughs> our guests of the program today hey, folks have been a good friend glenn dobbs and max McCreary, uh artistic director of Indie bard fest and glenn dobbs sort of the ceo producer of Indie bard fest so glenn uh max thank you all very much and by the way indiebardfest.com is where you can find tickets and theater locations and the whole nine yards quality for mercy not strain it drops like the general rain from heaven